Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. So, today's episode, I sit down with Adam Hignall. I met Adam, well, we, we talk about this when the episode starts, but I met Adam through our sponsor. As I'm sure you're very aware, our lovely sponsors have been Hotel Chocolat now for, for close to two years. And, uh, and I met Adam through that. And what we really bonded over was uh, a shared love of music. Uh, and Adam's got uh, an incredible um, career uh, in music and DJing. Uh, and, and we dig deep in, in, in all of that. And, uh, and it's a wonderful conversation. So the reason we done this was it's International Chocolate Day today. And so we thought we'd try and do something special. So um, I thought, well, Ed, I said, why don't you just come on? I said, like, we, we talk about music so much whenever we kind of hang out, then why not just come on and, and do an episode? And yeah, it's a glorious chat. And, uh, and, and, and Adam grew up in one of the most important musical cities in the UK. And, and, and that's, that's definitely heavily influenced um, his creative output and, and some of the choices uh, that he picks today as well. Uh, so you're in for a treat. So um, before we get on with it, let's get a few thank yous in. So thank you, first of all, then. Let, let's, let's thank our sponsors, Hotel Chocolat, again. Um, big thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces podcast. Big thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. And obviously, the biggest thanks always go to you lovely listeners. Um, thanks ever so much. We're over 400 episodes in there. Um, and you guys, you know, the listenership's growing and growing and growing. Uh, and, you know, it's so kind when I see these like, loves, shares, retweets, messages on the, on the socials and such. So, honestly, I, I have so much fun having these conversations with these these incredible people and to then sort of throw it out into the the world wide web and uh, and know that other people are getting uh, you know a bit of joy from it is is a wonderful thing so thanks ever so much for listening and supporting the podcast if you'd like to support the podcast uh any you know further then th- th- this is how you can do it um i have a thing called a patreon i'm sure a lot of you will know what patreon is for those that don't it's like a kind of crowd support social media platform, I guess. Uh, and so it's got a, a feed on it. And then basically you, you, you sign up to it uh, and then you get access to, I post on there very regular. What, what you get uh, on the Off The Beat and Track one is you can watch all of the episodes. So I put all the videos up uh, of the conversations. So um, they're there, ad-free, of course. Um, and as well as that, I put up, 
radio show. So there's hundreds of radio shows where I'm playing records and talking. There's mixtapes. There's there's all sorts of stuff. Um, and basically, it's going to cost you a dollar a month. So that's, what's that, 80p a month? Um, 20p a week. Uh, and you get all of that. Um, but essentially what you are doing by signing up to the Patreon is supporting the podcast, ensuring that twice a week I can still put out these free episodes and uh, and yeah, and it's just uh, a little way of, of, of supporting. But we're in tough times, so if you can't afford that, I totally understand. What I will say is if you can't afford that, then do you know what you could do? Give us a little share on the socials or when you're down the pub, like nudge your mate and go... Have you heard that podcast from that lispy old bloke from Essex where he, he talks to really cool people about records? Go and check it out. It's called Off The Beaten Track. So that'd be great. Anyway, I've been waffling for too long. Everything you need to know about this podcast, where you can find us on the socials, Patreon and everything, is at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Anyway, I know why you're here. Please enjoy today's episode with the wonderful Adam Hignall. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So, One of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, stew with him. Okay, we are recording. Adam, how are you today? I'm very well, mate. Yeah, very well. I've um, I've survived this week. Um, my wife's been away, so I'm, I've been solo parent since Sunday. <laughs> and I've managed to feed and clothe them and get into and from nursery and to bed every day. And it's uh, and she's finally back this evening. So and do you um, know what? In in true man style, are you going to almost expect like a pat on the back for it? Absolutely. Yeah, at the very bare minimum, a pat on the back. I mean, £50 notes I will also accept. <laughs> well, to, to, um, to, to introduce you to the, the, the listeners, um, we, we met through, it's World Chocolate Day, so it felt like a good idea to get you on. And, and the reason that um, I thought you'd be a good guest is because you work for our sponsor, Hotel Chocolat, and that's how we met. Uh, and one of the things we met, Apart from talking about the you know the sponsorship of the podcast and stuff, we I, I felt that when we, we we sort of initially met, we we, we bonded over our love of music and realizing that you was a, a musician and you you was a DJ and we had very sort of similar backgrounds in them fields. So I thought, World Chocolate Day, let's get someone from Hotel Chocolat on, and uh, and who better than, uh, than 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 my my contact there that also happens to be obsessed with music. So it made yeah, sense. Just, just so happens to be a card carrying vinyl obsessive. 
<laughs> Perfect. Well, look, um, Ad, I always start the podcast with track one. Uh, and so I'm going to ask you what you regard as being the song with the greatest ever intro. Yeah. Well, see, all, I, I, loved, I loved your questions. Um, and I just went really instinctive with all of them. I didn't, I just, what, what I wanted to do was avoid overthinking it because there's so many songs. Absolutely. You can fall in love with them from so many different parts of your life or moments and, and all that. But the, you know, you're asking about the first. And so you, you just to be honest, the, the, when I was what, 10 or 11 years old and I heard that, that smells like teen spirit intro, I had never heard anything like it before. And it, it, it's one of, it's a cliche, but honestly, it, it, at that age, at such a formative moment, that transformed my life. My yeah. life, I can't imagine it would look the same had I not heard that and gone like, wow, synapses just went, something's special about this. And there is a lot of stuff that's special about that. I, w- I was really lucky, Ed, like, um, during lockdown, I got to um, have Butch Fig um, on this podcast. Wow. and yeah. And I, I went in on it, asking him, like, you know, what was it like producing that? Like, tell me mm. about that moment. Because I heard that described, that intro, as it feels like all of a sudden the house that you're standing in is collapsing around you when that drops. Mm. And it mm. is monster, isn't it? And monster, Those drums, it's just everything about it. And, yeah. yeah. I reckon that drummer's going to do all right, mate. You re- yeah, no, he's all right. He's got, got a bit of talent, yeah. You know, never know in this industry. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it, that somebody that could – and I'm not taking anything away from drummers. Obviously, there's some, <laughs> some incredible drummers on this planet. But how many drummers can be the drummer in arguably, you know, one of the biggest bands in history to then go on and be the singer in one of the biggest rock bands in <laughs> yeah. history? It's insane, so- isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's ludicrous. So I met him once, actually. Really? Uh, I did. I met him. Um, uh, I was doing stage and lighting um, for this is because I've had a lot of jobs, especially in my younger days when yeah. I was like, I was really trying to be a DJ. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of jobs that just sort of worked around my schedule and stuff. And one of them, I used to do stage and lighting. So turning up with, so, you know, UB40 concerts or the Killers or whatever, and, and just doing all the background stage lighting bringing on sort of two-ton trusses of gear and setting it up and stuff. And um, we had an absolute cast-iron rule, like, sackable offence, never talk to the talent if you see them. But I, I couldn't... Well, you weren't even allowed it. to just go, all right? No, 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 couldn't... weren't allowed to speak to them at all, you know, um, or make eye contact or, you know, you know whatever. Um, just was one of those things. But when Dave Grohl passed me as I was sort of dragging, like, a two-ton truss along... Um, with his with his daughter, I just thought, and, and actually, my boss was standing. Was he's going over to talk to the to the to the site manager, and uh, I just thought, I can't resist this. I've got I've got to say something. Like he's my hero, got to say something. And so I went right. I'm going to say something. And I put my trust down. I went over and I went, I love you, Dave. <laughs> That's all I could come up with. <laughs> he looked at me like with that look, and he went. Thanks, man. <laughs> <And I was> like, <laughs> oh, do you know what? Like, I reckon a lot of rock stars would have just kind of sneered a little at that. Yeah. Dave Grohl's never going to sneer at that, is he? He's no. Dave Grohl. Like, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> well, in regards to intro, I'm going to ask you, um, tell me a little bit about how you approach an intro Let's not talk about music. So ask musicians about that. I don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to sort of touch on that side of things. Tell me about when you're DJing, 
Mm. When you take over from the DJ that's been on before you, yeah. what's in your sort of – how do you approach that? Do you think, look, do you know what? I'm not going to – you know, have a great big horn fanfare to welcome me to the turntables. Am I oh, going to no, be, bring, you know... I bring my own air horn. <laughs> yeah, about <laughs> pyrotechnics. Uh, like, how, how do you sort of approach, you know, your intro to a set? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. I, I've always said start with something weird. So get get people's attention. Clear the dance floor. You've got a clear, clear palette the then. Clear the dance floor, start again. <laughs> we shall rebuild. <laughs> Yeah, but then you chuck a curveball in there, like because you know it, it. It's I think when I started out, I was so sort of desperate to just Im- impress and 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 keep everybody on side that I just sort of mixed seamlessly into what the last DJ was playing, kind of just to keep the party going, keep the vibe going, and and that and and that's great. And and actually, you know, a lot of the time that was more in clubs. Whereas as my DJing progressed, I ended up sort of having slightly different gigs where it'd be more about sort of. Like I was playing more sort of dance music in nightclubs, whereas I, I ended up playing more sort of, I suppose that crossover like bar stuff, where it's like music for kind of listening, but also kind of dancing if you want, sure. rather than a, a sort of a you've paid twenty five quid a ticket and you're in there to yeah. rave. Um, but yeah, I definitely started off, you know, just blending into the previous DJ. But maybe it was just I don't know. Your ego gets a bit bigger, and you start thinking, you know. I want to let them know I'm here, uh, especially if you rise up the bill a little bit. And so, I, yeah, I, I would usually try and make a, some sort of a, I'd never do anything rude. Honestly, it's so rude when a DJ like turns the the, the, the turntable off and lets it, you know, or, or does some really, or stops the deck or just, I mean, and also if, if a DJ is just, you know, is playing and, and their tracks just started, I'm not, I'm going to let it get to the point where it was supposed to get to. I think it's really, like, I always find it really rude when people do it do it to me like just uh, cutting you out as if you're not there mm. like i think that's disrespectful so with a bit of respect but yeah i always try and find something that beat matches but has a little bit of a make people prick their ears up and go huh mm. oh, you, you, i've just as you were saying that about people kind of almost cutting off your, your, your song before it's finished uh i remember we i was promoting a night in, in um, brighton uh, uh, a, a venue called The Haunt. Yes, um, I know it well. I know it very well. I've, I've DJed there, actually. Or, uh, I, I don't even know if I actually DJed that night, but I was promoting it, and it was it was a Scroobius Pip Presents night. Uh, yeah. And um, Pip was DJing, and we'd secured the headline act was going to be Africa Bambata. Nice. So it was, you know, we were super excited, and, and, and Bama DJed for me a few times uh, in Essex, and he's great. And... Pip was there DJing away, and and I think he had like sort of ten minutes left on his set. Mm. And one of um, Bambata's people just walked up to the, the the turntables as as Pip was DJing, and he had like one record playing, and this guy just unplugged the other deck and just put it on the floor, <laughs> and then just sort of pulled out his laptop or whatever like Bam was using, and like. People's like, huh? Like, what, what am I going to play the next record on? You've just literally just took my, my other turntable away. Uh, it was yeah. very surreal and fucking rude. Like, yeah, but yeah. Uh, that happens. That definitely. I've I've had a very similar experience. Um, not at the Horn. Uh, although I was, that was a good gig actually. I was um, main support for people under the stairs. 
Wow. Similar, similar vibe. Mm. I've just got a recording of them somewhere doing a little shout out for me that I was going to put on a record one day and I never did. Um, but yeah, that was a good gig. Um, but yeah, it, it, I've, I, <laughs> I'm going to not name any names, but um, uh, a well-known Radio 6 DJ, um, uh, he... Um, I honestly don't think there's anything there's, there was no intent in it it's just mm. slightly sort of chaotic pre-gig preparation but I you know I got there to the venue three hours before it opened you know really excited wanted to get my stuff exactly because I you know my my style of DJing is somewhat technical I'm not a turntablist but a little bit of scratching a little bit of juggling mm. a little bit of performance to keep people interested and um yeah <laughs> And uh, so I turned up, I got my, my new mixer. I was really proud of, I had everything calibrated and set up absolutely perfectly, knew where I was going to play. And then when I sort of 10 minutes before I actually went on, I thought, well, everything's fine. I got there and literally all of my equipment had been scattered around the stage, unplugged and sort of moved. To, I mean, I was just, and in the end, I ended up in a situation where because of the equipment that, it, that had replaced it, um, I was sort of stuck literally di- like, I could barely reach the turntable to the to the mixer. I was sort of doing like an octopus mm. to try and try and DJ, <laughs> uh, and, and I could I only got one turntable working. So I was just sort of had this. Um, it was a, it was interesting. It was it, it went okay, but I wasn't exactly able to do what I no. was hoping to do. Well, I hope you've never watched Red Dwarf since. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Craig. I love you, Craig. <laughs> Right, I'm going to ask you for track two um, to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Oh, cool. That is, I mean, you know, that is, it is a tough one. I know what I said. Um, You can switch them up. You can switch them up. Because the thing is, people always go for like heartbreak or sadness. It can be joy. Yeah, of course it can. Of course it can. But I know, I think think it probably, probably was one that, because I think when you're a kid, when you're an infant kid, you're five, six, whatever, and you start, you know, like I remember Michael Jackson bad. And I was like, wow, that's that's really exciting music. Yeah. But you would naturally you just from nursery rhymes upwards, your musical sort of um, palette is is really joyful, happy stuff. Um, and I think you have an in, you have an immediate like an instinctive rejection of anything that's sad. Like my son, as soon as I put anything that sounds in any way not like. Prozac happy, he's just. Can you turn it off, please, Daddy? I don't like it. it. Makes me feel sad. But I suppose that, like food, that palate develops over time, and there must there must always be a trigger point. And I think for me, it was listening to my my mum or my dad's tapes. I can't remember. Um, they used to listen to stuff like the Carpenters, which can be really sad. But I remember oh my that. God, that, it doesn't get any more sad than the Carpenters. No, I know, but, but that never really resonated with me as a kid. I never, I never connected with that. But I think it was um, probably. I'm going to stick with my the answer I gave. The White Shade of Pale by the Moody Blues. That'd do it. I think I? that probably did make because it was just. I was probably only about seven, and I remember. I sort of remember the the the, the sense of like, you know, I can't even describe it, but. Something, some emotional resonance. Does it still cut it? I still think it's a fantastic song. It's incredible. I still think it's a fantastic song. It's a fan. I mean, it, no, I still think it is objectively an absolutely fantastic song. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that there way is. It builds. Oh. It's oh, it still gets me. Yeah, that's 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 pure goosebumps. That is. Um. So. 
you, you mentioned the carpenters and, and, and that kind of sort of sadness. Um, when you hear White Shade of Pale, mm. what, what, what was the emotion if you had to pinpoint it? God, yeah, I don't know. At that at that time, I mean, I don't think sadness is the right word. It is a terribly sad song, but you're not conscious of heartbreak or anything like that. I mean, your your biggest sadness at that point is, you know, breaking your favourite toy. Mm. Um, but I think just a sense of profundity, I suppose, for want of a better word. I think I think that sense of something being really big. Mm. I, I think that sometimes, like, these these answers like to this 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 specific question i often think sometimes it's like the first time that music gets you in a different way like because yeah. up as you said about your son normally everything's just like prozac happy and joyous and yeah. you know really plinky plonky and 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 then at some point you just think oh this is something else yeah. What, what I can't compute this. This this doesn't yeah, and like it. and it sort of resonates in a different way. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I think most of my answers are, are, are along those lines as well because you only get one first time. Yeah. To have your mind expanded by by yeah. music and music does it in a way that nothing else does. Yeah. I mean, I'm still searching for that. I, that's why my tastes. I've never really sat, sat still. It's probably why I never really was able to really garner like a. A, a particular fan base because I would change all the time. Cause I'm always looking for that kind of first thing. And now I'm listening to like, I mean, my f- probably favorite record label at the moment is Habibi Funk. Cause they're just finding the greatest Middle Eastern music that, that, and it's incredible stuff amongst a sea of absolute dross, if I'm honest. Yeah. But there, but I'm always, that, it, and it's like that excitement of like, wow, that is a thing. I never knew that was, you know, music could do that or music was like that, or there was music like that. And I think that, that it's, uh, it, it goes right back to your first experiences. Yeah. And touching on what you just said there as well about, you know, in, in a sea of stuff that could be pretty naff, you, you find these mm. little gems. That's, that's the beauty of, you know, whether it be on Spotify or on, you know, Discogs, wherever it's mm. like, it's crate digging. And I love it. And it's yeah. just, you know, you have that deep dive and you have to trawl through a lot of shit a lot of the times. Yeah. But then yeah. you find that absolute little golden nugget and it's like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, like a, a classic classic example that a lot of a lot of DJs will will know if they're in my oeuvre. There's a, there's a, there's, this is like a classic example of that, right? There's a, there's a, a, a few, uh, late 70s um, Looney Tunes compilation. My son loves the cover because it's got that Looney mm-hmm. Tunes logo on it. The music's all... Plinky Plonky, Prozac, Happy, 70s stuff, right? And right at the end, it's got a Tower of Power song called There's Only So Much Oil in the Ground. And it is an absolute banger. And the lyrics are all about quite a com- quite a, an unchild-friendly yeah. topic, you know. I mean, even in the late 70s, the oil's going to run out, you know, what happens then? Um, environmentalism and stuff. It shouldn't be on that record. I've no idea who signed that to that record. Yeah. I've got, I, every time I see a copy of that record, I buy one because it's just such an anomaly. It's a beautiful anomaly that, that, that sort of gives you faith in, in digging. Love it. Love it. So where was growing up? Bristol. Okay. Happy, happy memories of growing up in Bristol. Yeah. Bristol was, um, Bristol was, yeah, Bristol's Bristol. It's a very special place. Um, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily choose for my son to grow up there because there's a lot of problems. Um, 
there's a yeah, there's a significant amount of social problems there um but the, in a funny way that gives it a real its own energy yeah. um and it's got a lot of musical pedigree it's got a lot of cultural pedigree that probably it it other cities of its size don't necessarily have or have in a different way um which gives Bristol a, cer- a certain attitude it's quite insular i would say there's a lot of, I mean, now I live in London and I, and I know from growing up that the, the, the everybody used to say, oh, like they're London, oh, who do they think they are, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, it, it, and I, I, now, I now know that's not the case. That mm. isn't, it isn't, a, it isn't the fact that this London is some fancy other that thinks it's better than everyone. It just, it's not, yeah. it's not real. The streets ain't Bristol paved with gold, are they? No, they, they're actually not. No, no, no. I was really looking forward to that. But, <laughs> so, yeah, Bristol's got a certain chip on its shoulder, but in a way yeah. that's an energy. And I, I must admit, from, from a DJing perspective, I moved from, from Bristol, I got to sort of 31 and thought I probably, like, I just felt like I could do with a different environment. Um, so I moved to Brighton because Brighton is equally a great city. Um, but the first thing I noticed was that in Bristol, everyone dances. As soon as songs come on that they like everybody's up dancing whether it's in a bar a pub or anywhere there's just this readiness to to sort of go and 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 i i I miss that to be honest because it doesn't happen so much in brighton or london in my experience hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What about at home? Was it a, was it a musical household growing up? No, not really. I mean, my mum's a very good singer. She likes to sing. Uh, she sings in a choir. Um, she's got good taste in music. So I, I grew up listening to sort of Nina Simone, um, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke. Um, so really great soul singers alongside Carpenters and, and stuff mm. like that. Um, my dad's absolutely tone deaf. He's a sportsman. Yeah. Um, can't, can't sing for toffee, although he enjoys to try. But yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say it was a. Um, it, there was nobody playing instruments or anything. I I, yeah. I I was the only one. But but we've. My brother is actually much more musical than I am. Um, he's got a PhD in music composition. So there must have been something in the in the blood because yeah. he's he, 
he's he's excellent now he's a lecturer at the guild hall doing sound stuff so he he's yeah he's gone gone on a more academic route um but yeah obviously there was this must be something in the genes somewhere uh, we'll talk about Bristol a little bit more when we get to the the, the track about your, your home your home county, um, mm. and I don't really want to sort of dig too deep into the you know because I know what your song pick is and I don't want to dig too deep into the scene that really smashed Bristol on the musical map around yeah, that time. Right. But yeah. growing up in Bristol, you know, as 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 a young lad, did you could you feel that? it was a, a, a musical city and it was a creative city. You know, there's the, you know, whether it be through stuff that the wild bunch were doing with spray can art and sound system culture, had, had, yeah. had that filtered through. Uh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Like it, it, I thought it was normal, but I now know that what I was able to grow up through was abnormal for most cities and most cultures it was a product of the time that 90s era was incredibly Mm. free um but that bristol had something special for sure yeah um i i I went to a school on bristol cathedral school which is on which is in the cathedral in the town center and uh on on its doorstep is college green which is also where was a big skateboarding haven i skateboarded there for years and it entered that scene through coming out on lunch breaks and stuff and there was always young you know 17 18 year old guys who for me at 14 were like you know absolute like boss men um you know and they were all in bands uh, a lot of the punk bands at the time like lily dan white and uh box of frogs and there was lots of um lots of decent decent sort of very punk attitude punk bands at the time. Yeah. So really not, not that wild bunch stuff particularly, although it, it, it was, that was a very punk style of music as well. There was just, yeah. a, there was a real punk attitude running through Bristol in the nineties. And I don't think it's rose tinted looking, but I honestly, there's, I, I, I really do feel that, that there was, there was an energy, which I haven't seen. Um, I've, Bristol's still got a lot of energy. It's still got a lot of, sort of punk musical energy. Fucking hell. Look at the weekend. Look at idols yeah. taking the roof off of Glastonbury yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Big up, Dev. Like, um, big up, Dev. What a <laughs> lovely, lovely dude. Oh, I love him. Last time I went to Bristol was for this podcast to go and sit with Dev and uh, and, and and have yeah. a have a pint and a, and a chat with him. What a lovely human he is. He's um, lovely. He supports Newcastle, but you can't have it all. <laughs> <laughs> um. Before we get on to, I mean, you mentioned school, and we'll get on to that in in a sec. But I've had a few guests on recently, and and I love it when the word skateboarding gets mentioned mm. um, because it was so important in my life. Uh, and and I think, tell me a little bit about your involvement in skateboarding. And I don't even necessarily think that that you have to be a great skateboarder, but if you enjoy skating and you find yourself in these spaces for me it's got a punk attitude about it it's, mm-hmm. it's entrenched in sort of diy culture music always mm-hmm. like hand in hand i often reference that i found out about so many bands through watching skateboard videos from vhs's yes. that i would yeah, go to camden market and buy and be yeah like, there's old 411 videos yeah. man. the soundtracks on those were just all all, all of them yeah they, it was it was a real it was a real joined up thing. I mean, you only have to look at Tony Hawk's skateboarding 
uh, as a good example, yeah. actually. But, um, you know, that's, I mean, and that then went on to influence Grand Theft Auto and other, but it, it all came from skateboarding, that that marriage of music and, and, and physical sort of, you know. Um, but yeah, I started, as I say, I was, I was, I went to school right next to the, the, the skateboard center. There was, there was two areas, one Lloyd's, um, which was around the back of the school. And that was uh, three massive steps. You'll have seen it in skate videos from the, from that era. It was it, it, three huge steps that if you were good enough, you could clear. And, you know, some of the skaters were doing, you know, mad stuff, 360 flips and so on. Um, oh, down all three steps. There was a, there was a young lad called um, Matt, Matt Keel, I think his name's Matt Keel, went on to be a pro. And um, he, we used to skate with him when he, he, I remember my mate um, Jim uh, doesn't really stop banging on about how we taught him to Ollie. Uh, he very, <laughs> very quickly surpassed all of us and just had this, had the gift. Yeah. As we were. But um, there was that and there was College Green, which was um, right next to, you had the, the green area, which just all the kids that just, Loads of kids would just be on every Saturday, every Sunday after school, all the time. You know, getting up to a little bit of mischief, but no, but nothing anti, nothing really antisocial. To be honest, there was there ne- was never fights or anything like that. It wasn't wasn't that kind of vibe. It was quite a peaceful and loving, um, supportive yeah. network vibe. And you know, you'd 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 skate for a bit, go and sit down for a bit, come back, skate for a bit, um, and yeah, I, I got. I'd skate with a lot of the pros, with Paul Alexander and um, with the Alexander brothers and Flynn Trotman. Uh, Danny Wainwright was was always down there. He, he ran the fifty fifty store and, and was was the the biggest skater in in Bristol. Um, he uh, he skated for for Powell and Prouter, which is like I mean he was skating for an American like legendary skate company. So I mean he was he was excellent. Um, yeah, I mean I was never as good as that. I was never going to be pro, and I always knew that. But I loved it. I really loved yeah. skating. Do you still get out on a deck every now and again? I can go down the road, but I can can't really ollie anymore. I can't now. Uh, I'm just my bones have all tightened up. Unfortunately, <laughs> I can't can't do it anymore. <clears throat> <laughs> well, you mentioned school, so let's let's move on to track three, which is um, the song that reminds you of your time at school. Please, Ad. Uh, yeah, I have. It's have to say, it's it's a bit of a a, a, a switch up, but. Um, it was at. It, it was like one of those again. We've talked about it before. It's it, it's there's there are songs that just perform some perform a trick on you, and you go and you can you can't you didn't know music could be like that, and it changes the way you see music going forward from that moment. But it is a very clear. It's like a lightning strike. It's like sure. boom, and and I was at my friend Drew's party in Eastern in Bristol. It's his fourteenth birthday party, and. We were all running around doing knee slides like you do, but his dad was a bit of a bad boy raver and um, put on some jungle. And I'd ne- I just, I, I remember at the f- my first instinct was was I'd, I'd never heard anything like it. It was in a it was in a, in a sports hall sort of thing, so it wasn't exactly like pristine audio quality or anything like that. But the bass, I just didn't know there could be so much bass in music, and, and I got a stomachache, and, and that's that's like it physically affected me. I was like, I don't know if I'm enjoying this. But once I got over the stomachache, I was just like, wow, wicked, wicked jungle is massive. And I was like, what is this? Like, how, what the drums? Like, when you're 14, you're looking for excitement. Those yeah. crazy skittering drums, very electronic sounding, just didn't know that music could do that. Uh, so my song is MB, 
uh, featuring uh, General Livy. Uh, incredible. What a tune. What a tune. How, um, how was school? School was all right. Yeah. I, um, I, 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 spe- I, I moved around a bit in schools. I was never very well behaved, um, but I, I suppose I enjoyed sport and um, I probably enjoyed the bits after school more than the bits during school, as it yeah. were. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I, when I've you, when you say you moved around, like different schools? Yeah, a few different schools. So I sort of went to, yeah, I moved, I probably had four four different secondary schools. Wow. Well, yeah, it's quite a lot, really. How, um, just, how was that? That probably was a little bit, probably on a personal level, was a little bit unsettling. I don't, I don't, I'm not friends with people that I went to school with any anymore. I'm friends with people that I hung out with after school still, but I'm not friends with people I went to school with because I never really stuck long enough to build those kind of unshakable sure. bonds. Um, and actually, I just preferred the people that I hung around with after because actually we the people that I would hang around with after school uh, in that sort of golden period before your parents get back from work or, or before you have to be in for your tea, um that those sort of two or three hours um those are the people i chose to hang out with and, and we, that's all people that we connected through music so it's hip-hop and punk and we would listen to music and skate and you know we were really really obsessed with music and yeah would sort of having to start new schools i mean i i, I you know thankfully i never had to do that i can't can only imagine that's a very intimidating situation first day in a new school um do you think that that gave you a skill set to be able to talk to people? Uh, yeah, definitely. You do? Definitely, yeah. Because it can I easily think... go the other way, can't it? And you can become very uh, introverted yeah. and... Yeah, definitely. No, I think for, for me, just my personality type, it, it, it gave me that sense of being able to mix with different types of people and different groups of people. Not saying it was always... Not saying I took to it like a duck to water, but I think... But by learning through those experiences, whether it went well or went badly, I think you learn how to kind of um, gauge social environments sure. and, and, and act sort of appropriately. And sometimes you choose, I think, to deliberately not because you're like, well, I could, but I choose not to in, in this instance. Yeah. But um, but I think I'm yeah, I think it's given me that 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 ability. Wonderful. What did you want to be when you was at school? Um, yeah, it's a question. I don't know. I can't, I can't remember what, I don't know, really. What was you good at? Um, quite good at sport, quite good at sport, but then I sort of gave up sport. Uh, I played for the county at a few, few sports and I'm from a sporting background. Um, so I definitely, in, for, growing up, it was just sport, 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 any sport, all sports, cricket and tennis, particularly I was good at um and I still play tennis and I still play cricket when I can but um probably had ambitions to like take it somewhere but then uh you know music and street culture got hold of me I suppose and I think after that point I wanted to be a musician and uh probably yeah I mean or or some they're always creative wanted to be creative so either I wanted to be a musician or a film director I think I had a a very naive idea that, that I would write a script, send it to somebody. They'd go, wow, you are brilliant. Do you want to direct a, a Hollywood movie? And- <laughs> <laughs> but there's something lovely about that kind of, you know, ambition that, that, that it's a very short period of your life where, you know, it's all to be played for and you feel that anything's yeah. like there. And yeah, yeah. 
and then obviously life catches up and you realize it's all just quite miserable really but uh but that that sweet spot where you do think like yeah i could just do that and then that happened that's the best time that's brilliant brilliant i think about that i went to university went to to, did a a film and creative writing um degree which has stood me well because i'm still creating content i'm still writing I'm, i'm i'm now a writer um so you know it 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 definitely was the right thing to do but at that time while sort of supposed to be doing my homework or whatever you call it i can't remember what you call it at university it's not homework anymore but um i got some decks bought some decks off of a mate they were all belt drive ones that you had to like if you touch them they so you had to learn a really tight delicate sort of control of the turntable uh had a mixer that wasn't a scratch mixer, but I sort of taught myself roughly how to do some some bits and bobs. Actually ended up being, I mean, when I learned football when I was six or seven, the school I was at in a very small playground, so you had to play with a tennis ball. And actually, you 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 actually end up with a better sort of catch yeah. from those sort of yeah. um you know limitations. Um and yeah, I got I got got some turntables from a friend and started playing playing records and um entered a Entered a DJ competition. I don't know why. I must have thought I was doing all right, but started getting some routines together. Entered a DJ, and I won it. I was like the first person on at sort of two o'clock when there was nobody there, and then they went right through till ten, eleven p.m. when the pub shut, and then announced me as the winner. And people were like booing because they were like, "Why well, nobody's seen him play?" <laughs> <laughs> How good's that though? What's that? Like winning that? That's incredible, right? It was good. It was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. There was some some guys there that went on to be um, quite quite big in the uh, in in the drum and bass game and stuff. So it, it was it was not a, not a, not a bad field to. But I had a, had a nice routine. I was very inspired by DJ Yoda back then. So it had a little bit of charity shop sort of. Yeah. Odd, odd well, you, when you there. mentioned the Looney Tunes thing, I thought of Yoda straight away. Yeah. Yeah. <clears> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But um, I'm, I'm big up to, to DJ Yoda. Go check out that episode he's been on, and it's a it's a, a wonderful. Nap uh, I haven't that seen one. him. I haven't seen him since university. Actually, he won't remember me, but I, I remember him. I actually emceed on support for him. I had a brief brief period. I've done a little bit of rapping in my life, and and I've, I've been on a few different records and done a few. But then I just it's one of those things. I pick it up and put it down, and there's seven or eight years in between. That's yeah. a funny one. Oh, I think it's I just being it. a writer, being being creative. I just there's sometimes that I, ch- I channel it in that way. I don't know. It doesn't doesn't. Yeah, but it's good, isn't it? That I, and I think that if you're going to try and sort of pursue, you know, a, a creative career, I think you do need to be able to spin a few plates because one of yeah. the things that generally isn't uh, in abundance in the creative industry is wages. So you, <laughs> you do yeah. need to be able to like, right, well, if yeah. I do that set there, then, well, you know, I'm going to put me, 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 me EP out. I might be able to nick a bit of money from that. And then, yeah. you know, I'll go and MC that. And it's like, and it, you know, at the end of the month, you look at the pot and you think, oh, well, I can pay the bills. And like, yeah. 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 And, and I think that there's something beautiful about that as well, because it's for the love, isn't it? And it's for, you know, yeah. the excitement of doing something and creating something and, I think there's a lot of value to be put on that. Unfortunately, it's never really financial value. That that, that never seems to come. No, no, that is the thing. I've, yeah, I, I mean, you know, you have sort of, you're quite naive when you go into it mm. um, and you learn over time that, you know, it's not what you thought it was. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I used to want to, I, I used to, I mean, I still love a, a, a New York hip hop artist called Edan. I don't know if you know. He's you know, signed to the same label as Yoda. 
Oh, right, is he? So um, he, uh, my mate Mike, runs the label, and oh. uh, and just to just throw this out there, I spent years trying to put a record out. Ad. I was in bands and oh, right, all, yeah. all sorts of stuff throughout the nineties, and then three years ago, I released an album with DJ Yoda. It's a oh. podcast, but it's it, it got released on Yoda or on Mike's label. Um, oh God, I'm trying to remember what it's bloody called now. Any of you listening to this as well? Oh my God! Uh, oh, I have to check that out. Uh, but yeah, and it's it's um, it's Yoda doing his uh, his top five hip hop records, and we released it on Picture Disc as well. Uh, wow! To throw awesome. back to the Bambata thing, it's all based. It's uh, me, my co-host, and and Yoda in that kind of renegades of funk kicking through the wall yeah. animated thing. So uh, mm, nice. I don't know why I've just thumbed in that big up myself for that, but, yeah. uh, uh, but let's, 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 let's get back to you. Um, and, and also I never made Lewis recordings, by the way, Eden, you talked about Eden as well. So yeah, he's on Lewis recordings. Um, oh, yeah, so sorry, go on, go back to that. Sorry. I interrupted you. Yeah, banging no, no, on about no, myself. No, no, it's, nice, it's, nice, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, so I suppose what I was going to say was, was that, um, that I, I very much admired not only Eden as, uh, an artist, but as a performer, I've seen him play and he's brought his kazoo out and he's got his acoustic guitar out and, and stuff and 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 he's he's got a nice DJing style where um and he's done video mixes and he's very creative very sort of whole process and I've always been quite drawn to that because I get bored quite quickly so I want to do a bit of everything I could never be just like I could never I could I never understood I could never be a drum and bass DJ and that's what I do and I respect people that do that there's literally no quest it's not it's not anything to do with thinking that my approach is in any way better it just wouldn't suit me to have a sort of a a particular focus and just do that until it was done um just isn't me so i always looked at people like like edan and thought he's rapping and djing and producing the beats and you know doing a bit of this and even you know animations over the top and stuff and so i suppose that that's that's inspired me to to try my hand at at, at most things within the music game even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. 
absolutely. I mean, to the point that now I do a lot of, actually now I don't get the time anymore, but I used to do a lot of um, modular synth stuff. So I taught myself how modular synths work and semi-modular synths and moogs and stuff like that. And and that, in the in, in a funny way, I love the fact that, that sometimes the machines and the process can take you somewhere completely different than what yeah. you thought you'd be doing. So well, suddenly it's all gone very bleepy bloopy. And I'm like, I never thought I'd be making that, but I'm enjoying it. So, so what you mean that, is that part of your DJ set or are you just talking about making nah, music now? No, I mean, I've never, um, I've never actually performed it live. I've, I've done a lot of videos on YouTube of it as lot, like as live. Yeah. Cause I sort of, it was a lockdown thing as well. Um, but got really into the, different pa- patching different synths together yeah. and you know uh and and synths without keyboards with just se- funny sequences and stuff like that and and it, it it's a completely different way of working than i'd ever worked before which is again it must be just that sort of restlessness but i just really wanted to like i just got really inspired by what happens when you put this with that and that with this and you know can you make it sound nice when it because it starts off life and it's pure just electricity it's just yeah you know can i can i make into music somehow that's it's a fun challenge but it's completely different i mean i got probably my my most success if you want to call it that um, as a as an artist for funk funk and soul records, yeah, and so it's a complete. It couldn't be further away, really, from that. But that's what I like. So yeah, I but that, that's what makes you an artist. You know that you know you, you want to explore everything you can and try and yeah. make exciting things out of you know whatever you're presented with. Yeah, I love I, I love that man. Look, we we, we spoke about. You know, patching in you know analog simps and uh, modular simps. Sorry, and uh, and and DJ Yoda and all sorts of cool shit. Let's uh, let's just put a put that on ice for a minute. What's the first song you remember buying from a record shop, Ed? <laughs> <laughs> what a segue! What a segue! Oh, that, you've you, you've segue. got everybody on board thinking you're this cool cat, man, and I'm just going to pull the rug from under you now. <laughs> Listen, I've got to be truthful. I've got to speak my truth. Um, I was in, I'd been to Swindon Oasis uh, in, uh, well, in Swindon, obviously. The, this, uh, I don't know if you know what Swindon Oasis is. It's a big um, water park. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and it's the one that if you're brave enough at, at like 11, you'll go You'll go on the Great White. That was the big one. And, and it's the one that a lot of kids are like, you know those ones, all these kids are standing up there and and, and then they don't actually go down and they, they, they bottle out. And so I, uh, you know, I was very proud. I think I went down that day. I know I did definitely didn't the first couple of times I went. Yeah. Um, but it was a bit of a bit of a, everyone, you know, all, all the kids went there in the holidays. And, uh, and, and after that, come by, I think I managed to convince my mum to, that we could go into a, into a, a, a an old record shop. Might've been our price, mm-hmm. possibly an old, old, old hour price. And this was in the era of cassettes. Cassettes mm-hmm. was the dominant media. CDs hadn't really come in yet, and vinyl was seen as passe. Um, and uh, and nobody had. Every, everyone had those like double cassette cassette deck, yeah. high speed dubbing ghetto blaster things. Oh, I've been trying to buy um, one of them, Ed. And like, there's oh, so they're, much they're money. Cheap. They're not cheap. No. Crawling eBay and like just mm-hmm. can't seem to. Anyone that you think, oh, that seems quite cheap, says, yeah, no, tape deck doesn't work. You think, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're they're collectibles now. Um, yeah, so and then I was in there and I'd been off. I'm really making excuses for myself here. I'd been off sick from school the week before. Oh, so he wasn't thinking clearly either, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was very, <laughs> very hallucinating in our price. <laughs> so sick. And I, 
and because I've been off sick, I was allowed to watch morning TV. And it's not like it is today where you've got 15 channels of kids stuff. Yeah. It was the grown-ups TV. That's all there was. So watching Pebble Mill and uh, this, this, this bunch of lads came on in matching leotards and started doing choreographed dance moves. And I was like, oh, that's a bit exciting. And then, and they were talking about it, like they're going to be the next big thing. And I thought, oh, wow. So when I saw Take That, It Only Takes a Minute Girl mm-hmm. in the cassette shop, I thought, oh, I'm going to buy that. So I did. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good song, right? It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose. Yeah. It's Barry Manilow, right? It's what? It's a Barry Manilow song, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No, it's a cult. I didn't know that at the time, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. No idea at all. I mean, yeah. your first your first record. If you would have come on here and said, "Well, I was listening to John Peel and, uh, yeah, and, I, heard, yeah. <laughs> and I bought this obscure seven inch by the fall," I, I wouldn't have entertained it. I, I love the fact that people are honest on this track. Um, <laughs> I, I think it was like the second ever episode I'd done. I had um, Russell Lissack a block party on, mm. uh, and I thought, "I wonder if Russell's going to try and be too cool for school." And I went, "What's <laughs> the first record you bought, Russ?" And he went, "Stiltskin." I thought, "Brilliant." That's it. Ah, that was my second, actually. Oh, really? Went, yeah, the second time I went to a record shop, I bought Stiltskin inside. That's the one. Oh, yeah. still remember it. It's a bit of a tune, though, that. I still like that. It was the Levi's ad, wasn't it? It was. It that was, was desperately that was trying to be Smashing Pumpkins as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like a mixture of Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. the singer does now? No. So the singer from them, up until the, the, the last gigs, uh, fronted Genesis. No way. Mm, until Phil Collins come back for this last tour. Yeah, he was, he wow. was singing in, uh, in Genesis. Right, wow, well, there, there you go. go. Nerdy for you now. You've got to have a diverse portfolio at all stages of the game. Absolutely. Spinning the plates, mate. Spinning the plates. Spinning the plates, yeah. Well, look, Ad, you've... you've, uh, you've You've, you've been honest on there. So I'm going to ask you, um, was there two for this one? Oh, yeah. Well, there was because I, I did buy two cassettes at the same time. Oh, okay. So I, I also bought two Unlimited uh, ready for this. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, they're super catchy pop gems, right? That if yeah. you're, a, you're a young lad or a young lady, they're going to just resonate, <laughs> right? <laughs> Everyone knows it. Yeah. Super catchy. Absolutely. Well, look, I'll give you an opportunity to be a bit more uh, cool again there. So tell <laughs> me a little bit about, as you got older, your relationship with the record shop. Well, yeah, I, yeah, that's a great question. I, I'm, I'm going to enjoy answering that because I spent every Saturday from the age of 14 in Replay Records down in the Haymarket in Bristol. Um, and because we were penniless little 14-year-old kids, but passionate, desperately passionate about music, we had, um, we, we and, 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 and Replay were, rest in peace, Replay, brilliant record shot, always had really knowledgeable staff. It was the, it was the, the golden age of record shops, I would say, in, in certainly in my lifetime. Um, and, and, and they would help us find stuff or we'd, we'd do that thing where you'd, you'd buy one record and you'd look at the bands on the back who, the, who they thank and you'd go, oh, they thank, right. So then you'd connect the dots and you'd go, right, we're going to try those. And you could listen. So we'd spent, literally spent all day there smoking cigarettes outside and then come in and then you could, you could try the records on the turntable, have a listen, and then we'd talk about it. And we'd, basically what we'd end up doing is, we, we, we thought we were geniuses. And I suppose in a sense, you know, we got more music for our, for our buck, but because we didn't have very much money, um, we, we might be able to like pull together and buy a record. 
then we'd go home and tape it and we and and this is a difference to what the young younger people today are doing with their music we would buy one record we'd sit sit in a room and we would listen to it maybe four or five times including the songs that we didn't like or the and then they might grow on you which might evolve your musical taste which might change the way you perceive things kids like these days they don't have that they have 20 seconds if they don't like it they skip it mm. which i think is a bit sad Absolutely. um but we would literally obsess over lyrics. We would, um, we'd quite often steal the uh, record inners that you'd get in the records. Um, and I'm sure the staff knew what we were doing and just let us get on with it. Cause you know, but it, we were really passionate. And so we'd, we'd, we'd maybe get one record or two records if we could pull enough money together. And then, and these would all be secondhand, you know, secondhand records. Um, and then we'd, and then we'd, we'd tape it and then we'd, you know dub a few tapes so we all had a tape of it and then when you've got three or four of these records you can take them back and exchange them for enough money to get another one so we have had i would say my friends and i through the t- through that that time have sort of been custodians of some absolutely priceless records that we've then sold back for 25 pounds like you know four pound ten or something like that you know <laughs> some oh, of the nirvana stuff so uh, honestly some of the records that we had through our possession that we then just yeah. sold back would be worth hundreds, if not more now. Oh, the, the, the amount of times, like, as, as becoming a DJ like yourself, I got on the promo list and I'd get sent all of these promos. Nice, yeah. And the amount of them that I would just take down to the, the music exchange and sell yeah. Yeah. for nothing just because... <laughs> As a DJ, I weren't earning a lot of money, and it was yeah. like, "Well, I'm never going to play these. I'll just sell them." And like, yeah. oh, some of the stuff that I sold, some I just think, "Oh, yeah. why did I do that?" Yeah. Uh, okay, moving forward to track five. Tell me the song that soundtrack your years clubbing, please, Ed. Well, clubbing for me was drum and bass because mm-hmm. um, we that was the era. It was like that ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety. I was seventeen when I first really went clubbing i mean i was you said rock clubs and stuff but i don't consider that that's not clubbing that's like kind of youth clubbing really it's like uh, back in the day age restrictions were not very well enforced so we were going at 15 14 and and you know fun but and and the music was important but it wasn't as much of a and it's, it wasn't this sort of all-encompassing total experience that sure. it was when we went raving. Um, and I think raving for me was was drum and bass. That was the dominant musical style of the city, and it was what my friends were into. And I and it's what I learned to DJ, um, really. And I wasn't very good when I started. Some of my friends were much better than me, but just that that beat matching, that regular kind of, and you're just matching that, get those times together usually sounds like galloping horses mm-hmm. of course but um you know we we so we 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 would get all the records we'd practice we'd all get together and and, and big group of us drive our we, you know i think it was me and a few others that had moved out of home at that point and so we had our own places and of course that's like absolute mecca for all the all everyone um probably drove our housemates and neighbors insane but at the, at then it, you, you actually you can't even do that anymore. But and, and Bristol was in, in unbelievably tolerant to like party noise. Yeah, 
different to anywhere else I've ever experienced. Uh, unbelievably tolerant in certain areas, from yeah. the, the areas where we lived, sort of St. Paul's and Montpellier and, and, and Eastern and stuff. Um, so yeah, we we get to drum and bass was was our thing. And when we could, when we were old enough to get into the raves, that's what we started doing. We had a couple of our friends emceed at them and stuff. And um, I could have picked really any any uh, you know 97 to 99 drum and bass track because they i mean i like the simple ones of aphrodite with a really simple kind of like 16th beats and um ed rush and optical there's so many i mean ronnie size was a reasonably near neighbor and actually i i remember walking down the street um bit of a i mean you know i didn't really know what i was hearing at the time but the house where he lived was where the full cycle crew yeah. lived or congregated and they made um represent in that house and it was so loud it was at the bottom of a hill over a valley bottom of hurlingham road over a hill over a valley and you could hear it for miles around and i and you just walk past the house and you're like what is that i mean it's like the very beginnings of brown paper bag and stuff and you're like wow. you hear it blaring out of someone's house and you've never heard anything like it yeah. you're just like what what and then a few months later it's you know on radio one and stuff like that and you're just like mad but um one of the one of those crew dj crust i've picked this song because it was one that that we we all loved um it was one of the ones that i I connected with but i think i've picked it particularly because i remember a moment at the thecla club in bristol when i was probably 18 or 19 and and raving and and you know really uh into it shall i say and uh and and it was just i had a funny moment with him and i was like is this real is this happening i'm not sure but he was djing and I'm not. I'm not being. This sounds weird. I, and, and maybe it was all in my head. I honestly couldn't tell you. But our eyes locked over the dance floor, and in sort of respect, like a respectful kind of connection. And I, and I just, we just re- retained eye contact for, for throughout this track. And you know, it does sound weird. And and I still don't know if it was in my head or not. But I definitely felt like I was experiencing a moment with him and it was uh it was it was great it was great i got to know him a little bit after that and he's a really nice bloke as well so it's it's dj crust uh warhead uh i've gone for the stepper remix but the original is just as good really lovely lovely well look we've, we've spoke about bristol so much so for track six i'm going to ask you please to tell me uh a favorite song from an artist from your hometown please yeah well i just uh, yeah Bristol has been very seminal in in my life. It's, you know, um, there's no getting away from that. And the scene's incredible, uh, or certainly was. I could have picked a number of different different songs. It was quite hard to to choose. I think I ended up going for this one because of the use of the the Jack Jones sample in it. Um, Andy Smith was was on the on the decks for that that one and, and i got to know him a little bit through djing with him and stuff um over the years as well um but i don't think i'd honestly that i, I almost chose the big the start of that portishead portishead album for my intro because that ding 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 ding, and then the way the drums come in i mean that is an absolute banger of an intro and again you'd never heard anything like it this was just a, the, the era of firsts in so many ways, and partly because of my age, but also just if you look back at music, 91 to 94 is one of the most freshest explosions of sound I think there's ever been in music. Um, it's quite you know. strange. I mean, 
if you look at what was happening in, I guess in 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 hip hop and 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 you know you, you mentioned sort of drum and bass and and then whether you want to call it trip hop or whatever that 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 scene you want to call it, all exploded then and and that's without even thinking about what was happening in guitars. You know, in yeah. guitars, you look at what was happening in ninety one, ninety two in America that just mm. dominated. You know the, the 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 music scene. You know you've got bands like, obviously you've got Nirvana and and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Sonic Youth, mm. but probably just as big, if not bigger, like REM were, were, were yeah. arguably one of the sort of biggest bands on the planet. You know, mm. and then you know all of this guitar music was just at the forefront of yeah. you know, and you know you watch the MTV awards and look at what the Prodigy were doing then. You know, yeah. like and you, you yeah. sort of, you, wait, I think it was. <coughs> Excuse me, but if you look at um, when did uh, Jilted come out? Jilted must have been what ninety two. Ninety two, ninety two. I'm going to say ninety two. Yeah. Fucking hell, man! Uh, I mean that that was I would nearly put that in my sort of song that changed. You know, had an emotional sort of resonance because that that um, I can't, is it descend? I'm descending from outer space. Is that the lyric? Um, uh, what outer space? From outer that's, space. That's I mean, that's Dude, on the, I don't even like it. Mate, Incredible. For Incredible. me, because that come out, like they're Essex boys, obviously. And, mm. and so we're, we're fiercely proud of them. Um, we ain't got a lot. Right. And, yeah. uh, but when, when the experience come out and, and, you know, out of space, wind it up and stuff like that. And Charlie, it almost felt a bit novelty because there were so many sort of mm. like hardcore records that were coming out that were like yeah. using Sesame Street and using lots of Looney Tune stuff and, yeah. and, and and kind of just getting quick hits really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and obviously the prodigy done that with Charlie, but then obviously there was more to them than that. Well, there was, and I think I think it, it, this isn't something that you're you're able to be conscious of when you're when you're eleven or twelve and hearing yeah. it for the first time. But looking back now, Liam was an I mean, everyone knows this. This is not a, not a revelation, but he technically a genius. Like what he was able to do technically was far beyond what anyone else was capable of, even in the big studios yeah. at that time. He was, I mean, just, yeah. I mean, respect. Absolutely incredible. And it, I think it would have been 92, maybe, when, when Jewel had come out. And obviously loving voodoo people and no good stuff, dance and stuff like that. But when I heard Poison... Mm. I was like, whoa, yeah. whoa. Yeah. Like, and you realised he was going to start to experiment with his love of hip-hop. And yeah. then, obviously, fast forward to the next record, and the beats yeah. were just yeah. from out of space. Like, yeah. nobody yeah. could touch him at that point. Like, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, respect. Yeah. Uh, well, we're not talking Essex. Sorry, I've, 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 I've just right. dragged it I mean, into Essex again now. Let's, let's, let's go back to Bristol. And about the love of great music really um but yeah bristol i suppose the cho- the, the trick i've gone for i mean they could have gone for so many i mean i was thinking something more modern like addison groove changa is is an absolute banger big ups tony um he actually i lived with him for for a, for a few year or so and um at that moment he was going from headhunter to addison groove because he he came home from tour with uh, a, a an original 808 drum machine and just it, ch- it changed him, and he then he did. He, he came up. He, um, do you know the song Foot Crab? Yeah, it's yeah. He did that in upstairs while I was downstairs. Wow, <laughs> in, in the same house. And he went, Ad, what do you think of this? And I was like, Yeah, that's pretty good, mate. To be honest, and uh, yeah, he, he's he's done all right as well. Um, 
but yeah, I, so I was really thinking about Changa because I do like, I really like his his track Changa, and I think it's it's a little. It, I was sort of tempted to go with something that isn't just from that era of music sure. that everyone knows about in Bristol. But again, it's the, you only get the the first time to hear something once, and 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 you're never more receptive than when you're in that teenage phase or age range. And and so for me, it's only you. Beth's voices are unbelievable. Yeah. Um, she's, I mean, nobody was singing like her at that time. Um, I mean, the production, the dr- the drummer is just, he's, he's, he used to do, um, he used to teach drums at Filton High School um, and played a lot in the jazz bands and stuff. And he's just ridiculous. If you see, if you watch him play jazz, it's just ridiculously good. Yeah. Um, and had that sound, just that sound, the production, everything. And then I think just that, that use of that Jack Jones sample, just right at the end of the song, a lot of the times people were using samples, really from the beginning, just straight in sample and then cutting it a bit. And it was all part of the, the chorus, but this, they just waited for that emotional build up, And then I feel so cold and whoa, like yeah. goosebumps, man. So yeah, only you, Paul, said. Perfect. Right. I'm going to, um, I'm going to sort of reach out to the uh, to the, the DJ in you and the uh, and, and give you an opportunity to be tastemaker and okay. uh, and you can dig the crates for people. Um, so this is a song that that you think many people may not know, and you want them to hear. Yeah. All right. Oh, good. I'm glad I understood the question correctly. Cause I didn't quite. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. This is the, this would be the one that I would always say. It isn't. It is one of those ones that if you know, you know but a lot of people don't know. Um, Tame Impala and a singer, I can't remember his name, I'm sorry, it begins with T. can't remember his name, but uh, they did a cover of it, so that sort of brought it to a bit more awareness. But I still would say, and, and you know, Al Kent's done an edit of it, it's, it's been out on Soundway, um, but I, both versions that they ended up doing, I mean, it's a weird one. There's two versions of this song on the same album, that I've got in my collection behind me. And um, they're both the same song, but just just different interpretations, which yeah. given that it's in 1984, wasn't really what people were doing then, especially when it's more, this is like live band ele- electronica uh, or le- electro. It's disco really, but it's very synth heavy. Uh, it's from Ghana or Nigeria. It's West Africa anyway. I'm going to say, gonna, I'm going to stick with Ghana, but it could be, could be Nigeria. Um, guys called Steve Manite and for me it, it is the best baseline of all time bar none fight me <laughs> the song's called uh the song's called um it's also called only you that's a that's a peculiarity isn't it mm. oh yeah weird well it, it's an absolute beauty and what we do is we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast so people mm. can go and explore that. I think we should put both versions on there. Let's do that. Because one of them's got this amazing female vocal. And it's so like, it's so cheesy, but it's it also is just genius. And, you know, the bass line and the synth work just carries it all off. Lovely, lovely. Well, people can go and explore all of them tracks. Uh, and I'll make sure I put both versions on there. Um, so... Aside from you know the the the, the day job and uh, and 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 yeah and sponsoring this podcast, mm. 
What's what, what's the plans for the rest of the year? I know that you've you've dipped your toe back into a little bit of DJing uh, recently. Yeah. Is there going to be more of that? What's happening with the with the music? Uh, I mean, it's, that's a very interesting question, and I honestly don't know. I did a I did a record store day event at, um, at the local record shop around here, Level Crossing Records, big up, uh, which was really really enjoyable. Played for three hours, all vinyl, all sort of. Uh, dancing music from around the world. I never quite know what to call it. It's, it's not, not any one sound, but um, really love being able to just do what I feel like doing. And, and and I think these days I'm not looking for, for DJ gigs where I'm expected to stay in a certain box or have a certain style. I just want to be as self-indulgent as I choose to be really yeah. uh, do it for myself really. So, you know, if the right gig comes up and if it fits around family and stuff, but it's a very different approach to what, when, when I was trying to make a, pay my rent with it, you take every gig available and you say, okay, you want me to play pop? I'll play some pop. I'll do this wedding. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll I used to do a residency, a, a Latino bar. And so I just collect a load of Latino music and, and play that, you know, and, and you do whatever. Um, but I don't need, I'm not, that's not where I'm at now. So if the right gigs come along, I, I loved it. I, I must admit, it reminded me why I love DJing. Um, so, yeah, definitely that. Um, you know, I, I've got a sort of a different life now, and I love it. I'm really happy. So I'm not – like, and, I, and I'm, I'm jaded and, and I'm beaten by the industry in, in some ways. The music industry is tough. I don't know if I'd recommend it to my son necessarily. Yeah. But the love of music is eternal. So you kind of – sometimes being in the industry is what spoils your love of music. Um, in some cases, not always, but I think definitely, unless you're extremely thick skinned, trying to be an artist or a performer, it can sometimes, Jay, it can, there, there can be as many downs as there are ups. Um, so I'm not looking for that anymore, which puts me in an interesting position because I've got probably two complete albums that I'm really proud of that I think is probably my best ever work. Um, but I don't have the appetite or the time or the money to really push them. And I don't necessarily want to put them out on, on Bandcamp and yeah. have four, four people listen to it and then just say, well, because I've put a lot of work into it. Of course. So I don't know. I'm, I'm in an interesting position. If any, any record labels listening want to um, do all the work for me, <laughs> um, then get in touch. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we, we should also add that we're going to be working together um, moving forwards um, with, off the, with both Off The Beaten Track and with Pop Bible Magazine, the, 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 the mm. publication that I've put together with uh, Adam Richardson, Scroobius Pip. Um, we're going to be doing some uh, Once To Watch shows where we're going to be showcasing new and exciting podcasts um, at a... Uh, what appears to be like a little sort of secret venue owned by uh, Hotel Chocolate. Not many people know about it. And it's a beautiful little space. Um, so we're going to be putting together some shows there. And uh, you heard it here first. I think we're going to mm. do a live off the beaten track on one of them nights. So uh, yeah, and we're looking at sort of September time for that in uh, in in um, Covent Garden in London. So anyone near near there? Um, it's a beautiful space. It's a really intimate little little venue, and there's chocolate mach- chocolate making machinery around you, and a, there's a great bar. It's and a good sound system. It's gonna it's gonna be they're gonna be great events. Can't wait for that. Absolutely. Um, and if people want to find out um, and listen to, to to music that you've done um, or DJ sets, is there any way you direct people to go and explore? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a lot of stuff. I sort of. Yeah, I'm going to say my, my Don Deglo stuff. I've I've done stuff as Don Deglo 
and Don Daglo and the Electric Dead Band, um, which is all me. Uh, that's so. If you go on Spotify and find that, you'll find I've got an album, an EP, a few sort of a few EPs that I've done. Um, different styles of music, mostly electronics, sort of somewhere between disco and housey and electronica. Um, some very ambient stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, please go and have a listen. I don't get many listeners, so <laughs> come, come and help my numbers a bit. Um, I've done some stuff as 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 you and Who's Army. That was my um, probably when I was doing the you know if whatever you want to call it success when I was having some success and touring playing internationally and stuff was was under the name You and Who's Army, which was much more funk and soul and turntablism and stuff. Uh, but I'm on Mixcloud and Soundcloud and Spotify and all the places. Not very active anymore. Um, you can find watch my weird synthy bloop stuff on YouTube as well if you want to. And what's that as? That's just Don Daglo. Yeah, wonderful. Oh, I've also I've got a record label as well called Particle Zoo Recordings as well. So if you we've we've put out some much better artists than me on that <laughs> on that label, um, definitely worth checking out our our, our catalogue. There's some great stuff on there. Wonderful, Addy. It's been an absolute joy chatting to you, mate. Yeah, real pleasure. Thank you. Brightened up my Friday morning. Lovely. Thanks ever so much, mate. There you go. Ah, oh, that was great. Like, I, I, I knew that it'd be a good chat because every time I've kind of hung out with that, we've just nattered and nattered and nattered about music. And, and we've got lots of kind of mutual friends that are DJs and things like that. So the conversation, like, right from the very moment I met him was... was it's really good when you meet someone and it's outside the music capacity. You know, I, I, I was meeting him, you know, because uh, he's a Hotel Chocolat and obviously they sponsor us. So I was meeting him to discuss that. And then once that kind of conversation enters into that, all oh, right, you, you do a bit of DJing. All right, you're into music. Oh, what? And then that's it. It's like everything else gets parked up and you just you're just bunnying away for ages about, you know, your favourite records and producers and such. And it's lovely when you find people like that because, it, it, you know, it's, it's it's a lovely conversation which has, uh, has translated into an, an amazing podcast. So um, I hope you had as much joy as I did uh, listening to Adam talking about his record choices and uh, and his career in music. And, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Uh, anything else you need to know off the beat and track podcast.com. Other than that, I'm back next time. It's international chocolate day. Go eat some chocolate, pop into your local hotel chocolate and, uh, yeah, get stuck in. Other than that, check out the boozy stuff, the boozy hotel chocolate stuff. Honestly, you've heard me banging on about it on this and so many of my other podcasts. Um, it is glorious. My, my little tip, the mint chocolate one. Oh, game changer i'm back next time see you soon bye-bye it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me stew with him